Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. If you're going to collaborate, collaborate for a reason and then collaborate with the idea that the, that collaboration is worth having. I'm a big fan of getting other people's ideas and input, and I would invite you to do the same. Uh, the other thing I would love for people to take away from this is if your fear is what's getting in the way of the success that you want, then it may be time to stop regroup, take a look at your thoughts and patterns of behavior that are no longer serving you well. Notice what's getting in the way. Why are you afraid of getting the things that you want, of achieving the goals that you need to have? And finally, when in doubt in a tough communication, go for relationship first. Build the trust and play the long game of changing minds and try, instead of trying to change minds in the short term and losing the relationship as a result. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. Now it's party time here because this is a milestone episode 400. When I first started this podcast way back in August of 2014, I didn't imagine then that we'd be here at this point with episode 400. And we've had so many wonderful conversations and I'm just loving every moment of it and have the privilege of sharing it with you my audience, and sharing these valuable conversations and these gold nuggets that I learn with you. So here we are, episode 400. If you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with the comeback coach Tim Story and with Will Leach, the author of Marketing to Mind States, then do check them out because there's gold in them there episodes, as I said, and listen to today's episode first. Because on episode 400 of the Innova Buzz podcast today, I am really excited to have as my guest Aidan Nepom. Aidan is a TEDx speaker. She's a senior facilitator at On Your Feet Improvisation for Business. She's president of the Art of Change Skills for Life and host of the Changed podcast. As I said, I'm so privileged to speak with so many wonderful people on this show and share these conversations with you. And today's episode is another fantastically valuable conversation. Now, in addition to her work as a facilitator, a keynote speaker and coach, Aidan is also an award-winning stage performer. These are also skills which she's shared through teaching and performing around the world with her exceedingly talented husband. 
at The Art of Change. She's passionate about helping people build a better future instead of a bitter future. Love it. Change is inevitable, but progress is not. She serves passionate leaders who want to positively impact their work, their teams, and their organizations. Aiden helps them to develop powerful, flexible, and sometimes fun communication skills that build massive trust, increase motivation, and increase influence up, down, and sideways. In our discussion today, Aiden talked to me about how to have a reasonable conversation with someone, even when you disagree. Something that I think we can all benefit from in today's time. We talked about building the muscle of competence and confidence by focusing on your audience and serving your audience. And Aiden reinforced for me the power of the tell me more question, something that I need to use a lot more. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive in this special episode 400 and get the buzz from Aidan Nepom. Hi, I'm your host Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz and I'm really excited to welcome today to the InnovaBuzz podcast all the way from Portland, Oregon in the USA, Aidan Nepom, who describes herself as a pragmatic and playful advisor on communication and change. She's also a TEDx speaker, a senior facilitator at On Your Feet Improvisation, and she's president at the Art of Change Skills for Life and a host of the Changed podcast. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Aidan. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I, I just listening to that list, I was like, it's all very true, but also it's a mouthful to try and get all those <laughs> things out there. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I'm really excited to explore further in some of the things you do there. There's a whole range of different things that I discovered. Now, Dr. Rick Kirshner, who was our guest on episode 353 of the Innova Buzz podcast, suggested that we have a conversation with you, Aidan, and uh, I know you're very close to Rick. <laughs> Big hello to Rick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hi, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Dr. Rick Kirshner is my father, and um, and he's also uh, still remains an advisor to the business, the Art of Change Skills for Life, and we can talk about that that uh, relationship as we get into our conversation, if you like. Um, he founded the business, mm. and he is now retired, so it is now my business, and um, I. I feel that um, my unique skill set, which I'm sure we'll talk about, and the founding principles of the organization have made for a really nice uh, marriage. So, uh, so yeah, he's my dad. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, and we had a wonderful conversation with him. And uh, it's funny because I, um, when I talk to Rick and and the other Rick, um, who is the co-author of the book um, Dealing with Difficult People, and I was doing my research and I thought, that book cover looks familiar. And I looked through my bookshelf of old books from back in the 1990s and I thought, there it is. I've read it. I've got it on my list. I've got it on my bookshelf. So I revisited it and, uh, of course, it was a great privilege to speak to both of the authors that's fantastic. Yeah, dealing with people you can't stand I, has been 
an amazing textbook, apparently, in some cases, um, but a book for many people. Uh, a long time ago, I was on a trip overseas, and uh, a friend of mine was shocked to learn that those uh, those were influencing people in my life, that that book came from my dad and his business partner, um, because she had literally uh, been given that as a textbook in school. Not the only book, of course, but it was yeah. one of the texts that they, they used in one of her classes on communication. Hmm. All right, so I'm keen to explore all things change with you today um, in particular. And I know that's that's the key facet of your business. But before we do that, what is it that drives you and how does that shape what you do today? Well, uh, you know, Jürgen, I actually gave a TEDx talk on what drives me, which is joy. Um, mm. And there was a great invitation for other people to experience their own drivers and passions as a way of discovering their direction. But it, joy is such an important driver for me um, that at the at the lowest point, if you watch my TED Talk, you'll see this at the lowest point in my life when I was just directionless in terms of career. I had no idea what I wanted to be doing. Um, knowing that what I cared about was bringing joy to people's faces, to people's hearts, to spreading more joy than anything else, um, and just embracing doing more of that was what led me down the path to where I am currently. Um, so it's, it's a huge driver for me. Um, I get a lot of joy from other people experiencing joy. And what I mean by that isn't just um, smiles and laughter, which are very important to me, but also um, there is joy from a job done well. Um, people experience joy from meaningful conversations. People experience joy when they repair relationships. So anything that I can do to help people communicate more effectively so that they can have these joyful outcomes is incredibly satisfying for me as a career choice. Hmm. What I really love about the TED Talk and how you presented that is kind of the realization that it's okay to have joy, my own joy as my driver and that manifests itself through service to others in providing them joy, as you've outlined. And I thought, well, that's that's really cool because a lot of people think that, you know, they need to do stuff. Uh, it's they're kind of driven by necessity, and they need to do this, and but it's no fun, and so we kind of do it because, you know, somebody else has dictated it, or we're dictating right. it to ourselves. But really, the the fun part, okay, well, as soon as I can get rid of this or get it done, then I can have fun. And yet you've turned that all around and say, well, you know, I'm going to have fun. And part of that is being of service to other people and help them have fun and have joy in their lives. Yeah, for me, I think uh, being really service-driven is incredibly rewarding. And I think that that is true for most people. And that doesn't mean that you have to live a life of, of um, service in a sort of uh, literal way. Like, I, you know, I've certainly done volunteer work. It doesn't mean you have to give everything away and sacrifice your own um, success. It, it doesn't mean that. What it means to me to live a life of service is to look for ways to make things better for the people around you. Um, that's what I suggest to people. And I think that when you engage in looking for that, it does a lot. It has a lot of really nice side effects. So, um, for example, if 
we were working on presentation skills. When you're really focused on yourself and you're really worried, am I doing okay? Do they like this? Did I get the content right? Are my slides pretty enough? Is there enough data? Blah, 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 blah. Um, Can they tell I'm nervous? When you do that, when anybody does that, that can really um, pull you out of the moment. It can really... Uh, Sometimes what will happen is you say, I don't think they like me, and then you get to be right. Or I don't think these slides are good enough, and then you get to be right. Um, when you instead put your focus on what does my audience need? What is, what is something that I could give that they're not experiencing right now? What could I do to help them understand, make sure that they are understanding? I apologize for the background noise. But what, uh, what is something that I could make sure that they have to understand this information because this information will help them? All those things that take the focus off of you and onto them help greatly uh, with presentation skills. And what's nice about it is, you, and this is just one example, um, what's nice about that is you don't have to do all of the like checklist of things where you're like, make good eye contact. And <laughs> yeah. Tell a joke up front and all of those things, all you all you're really doing is placing the focus on the person that you're talking to. And the same thing is true uh, as a, a leader. If you're leading a team and you want people to be really engaged in the work, you know, the best way to do that is to put the focus on being of service to their success. Check in with them. Ask them. What, what do you need? Hey, I noticed it's Thursday. And we hadn't talked in three days. Uh, how's it going? It's And these are really low-touch things that have high-yield results. So I'm a big believer in this um, idea of, of looking for ways to make things better for the people around you and in that way being service-driven and in that way bringing a little bit more joy to what people do. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. And and that's a really great explanation of the the meaning of the service driven. So thanks for that. And you know, often people kind of think you're talking about oh, you have to volunteer or you have to give things away all the time. And and you know, there's time. There's a time and place for that. And if you can, that's wonderful. Um, but it, that's not what we're talking about here. One of the things that I was curious about in your uh, TED talk, and you talked about you know, your, your journey of self-discovery and the reflection that you had, you know, what, what were you actually afraid of in terms of stepping beyond where you were at, where you, and in, in, in that um, phase where you weren't really experiencing joy and you weren't sure of what to do and you were looking at all these different options and you came to the conclusion that maybe it wasn't, failure you were afraid of it was success you're more afraid of and and i thought well yeah gee i'd like to hear more about that <laughs> um i would say that's an ongoing journey for me and i suspect for many others uh, mm. in fact um i worked with a coaching client last week who um she had to hear back the things that she had been saying in, e in order to even notice what was happening which was that Basically, she had been uh, quickly moved through the job interview process for a dream job that was tailor-made for her skill set 
that she managed to just by some stro stroke of luck discover and apply for. And they were like that, you know, an application went in. They wanted to talk to her that day. Hmm. After that conversation, they were like, can you, is it okay to have you come talk to the whole hiring board tonight? I mean, it was going quickly. Yeah. And she was like, I don't know, but there's this other job uh, in this really rural town where I wouldn't know anybody but I get to keep my vacation days because it's a lateral move. And I'm like, huh, I wonder what could be getting in the way there of hearing what she said. You know, she was really weighing these two options equally. And that fear of success, that fear that actually this might be the exact right thing for you that, that is tailor-made for your skill set that would allow you to shine and to grow and to really develop your skills. Um, it's it's right there in front of you. Why not jump? Well, that fear of success is what's getting in the way. Um, so I resemble that at different stages of my own work. Um, it's a continuing journey. And I think that it's okay to be a little afraid of success as long as you're aware of it and working on it. Because ultimately, the best way to think about it is if you've got something that can really help people do better work or have better experiences. Maybe you've got um, an amazing product that's really going to revolutionize people's lives. If your fear of success gets in the way of you building the bridge to people understanding that thing that's going to make their lives better, then you're doing a disservice mm -hmm. in the world. So as hard as it might be for some of us, some people may not, this may not be their hang up, it may be something else. But for those of us who this is our particular struggle. It's a struggle worth having. It's great to know that, again, by putting the emphasis on what other people need and how you can help there, you can take the focus off yourself and don't worry so much about your own success or failure. Those things are helpful. Um, but ultimately, it's I, I, I believe strongly it's a struggle worth having. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like the that philosophy, really, that, you know, if you believe in what you have to offer, knowledge product service and you believe that it's going to help some people transform their lives in some way then you've got to get out there and give them the opportunity to have have that experience absolutely i think it's uh, it makes sense um you know i i talk a lot about the habits of thought and patterns of behavior that we fall into because they are familiar as opposed to that serve us well um mm. So this fear of success is, it would fall into this category. So if you have been a person who has in the past sort of shot yourself in the foot to fail on your own terms, um, you may continue doing that because it's a familiar pattern. So the dream job comes across your desk or um, the opportunity to pivot your career comes across your experience. And because you're, you in the past, have failed on purpose to prove that you're in control. You might keep doing that. Or I would suggest it's great to stop and notice that that's a pattern and ask yourself, is that pattern of thought and behavior serving me well? And mm. if not, how might I make another choice? Um, we often view discomfort as, as bad but sometimes discomfort is a sign that we're growing. So, you know, it's worth taking stock. Sometimes discomfort is bad. I don't want to say always be uncomfortable. Uh, what I do want to say is 
take time to notice what's happening. Is that pattern of thought, is that serving you or is it hindering your success? Um, is that behavior comfortable because it's familiar or comfortable because it's good? Hmm. Yeah, uh, there's some really good questions and it's great to have that introspection. And I was reminded because you talked about comfort and, and it's good to be uncomfortable at times, the adult learning pattern is is very much like the the model is, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, but the model is unconscious incompetence, so we don't know what we don't know. Then you discover something, oh, I don't know that, I want to learn that. So that's the conscious incompetence. And that's uncomfortable because now you're trying to figure it out or or you're tr maybe trying to do it and you think, oh, this is really hard. That's the bit where you're learning. And then, of course, you get into the uh, conscious competence and unconscious competence stages, which you know, the classic example is driving a car where we just, those of us that have been driving for many years just sit behind the wheel and don't even think about it. We just drive the car. But yeah, at, some, I often... at some stage you went through that really uncomfortable uh, time where you were sort of worried, you know, am I going to hit this thing? Um, am I going to stall the car at the lights? Uh, all these <laughs> things. <laughs> I love that analogy. I'm a visual thinker um, about many things. And for this, I often, instead of thinking about the phases and sort of list form the way many people do. A lot of these models are helpful in that way, but I like to think of this particular model in terms of a mountain that we climb. Mm. And right at the top is the peak of discovery. It's the best view of the world right there at the top. Yeah. To get there, you have to leave Comfort Town, which is right here in the bottom of the bottom. valley. You've got you to set out on your quest up to the peak of discovery. And to get there, in between Comfort Town and the peak of discovery is this vast uncomfortable zone. Mm. And it's it's vast. There's there's fields and there's rocky crests and they're all terribly uncomfortable. And as we go through that uncomfortable zone, we are tempted to turn back to comfort town. It's very familiar. Uh, but the peak of discovery is there if we can push through. And so, you know, pack snacks and get there. It's worth getting there. Now, for those big risk takers, you can overshoot. If you overshoot that peak of discovery, you can fall down into total disaster on the other side. So it's worth paying attention to the journey you're on. Um, and I have a, I have a thing that I show in workshop where I show this sort of like, here's what that looks like. Here's the journey up the mountaintop. Uh, but again, a journey to the peak of discovery, absolutely worth taking in my view. Yeah. Right. Well, um, you know, we talked about the, introspection and, and uh, asking some really good questions to determine are we actually afraid of success. Um, one of the things that I think entrepreneurs are also really good at is we achieve something, we get successful, and then we say, okay, move on to the next thing. So we don't take time to actually acknowledge and celebrate our success and maybe even reflect on that in terms of what can we learn from that. So what are your thoughts on that? I think that that's, uh, yeah, that's a great thing to point out. Uh, often innovators are attracted to things that are shiny and new. Um, it's actually uh, my attraction to those things is what makes me a great consultant for others um, or um, a great partner in, in some other businesses because uh, it gives me the opportunity to suggest shiny and new things in a stable business. 
Um, but it is important, I think, to find that balance in your own business if you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, um, to notice when things are working and make micro innovations. Don't always have to go for the big, 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 exciting, shiny new peak of mm. discovery. Sometimes there are little bitty peaks of discovery on this tiny little mountain, and those count just as much. Hmm. All right. I love it. Um, now, one of the things you mentioned earlier was around having meaningful conversations. So this is a bit of a pivot. <laughs> um, having meaningful yeah. conversations with people, and, and part of that is, is what brings you the joy. So how? talk to us a little bit about how do you initiate conversations that kind of get beyond the just, you know, how are you, I'm fine, or... Mm or discover something that might turn into a need that you can fulfill so that you can be of service to those people? Oh, that's a great question. I'm really glad you brought this up, actually. This is um, having uh, meaningful conversations is a particular area of passion for me and a particular area of attention for me at this moment. Um, and I'll talk about why in a moment, but you just asked specifically about openers. How do you have, how do you start a meaningful conversation? The simplest way to have meaningful conversations with people is to ask questions, to get really curious about them. So, for example, instead of like your standard icebreaking question of how's the weather, you might ask them something else like, oh, you know, what do you like to do in your spare time? Um, the whole reason we have these small talk questions, in my point of view, actually, my friend Shana and I, we used to uh, and still do occasionally collaborate on um, work for clients. Um, she and I started asking ourselves the question at one point. We were like, why do people talk about the weather? <laughs> Everybody does that, right? You meet somebody and then they and you stand there. You could be at a bus stop and somebody says, oh, I hear a cold front's coming in. Yeah. Um, in fact, Jürgen, you and I did this right before we started recording this episode. We talked about the weather. So the question is, why do we talk about the weather? And I believe it is because we are seeking common ground. We are looking for something that's low-hanging fruit that we can both acknowledge we have in common. Um, if, for, you know, if I say, oh, it's going to be warm, and you say, I hate warm weather, well, we've established something. Um, if I want to feel like I have something in common with you, well, then I might agree with you whether that's true or not. Or if I want to blow your mind, I might say something like, I think warm weather's the best weather. But either way, we're like, you know what? We both know things about weather. Look at that. Isn't that nice? You can do the same thing with other things. Um, and I want to give people permission who are listening to do the same thing, but with other things. So if you're looking to have a meaningful conversation with someone, you could certainly have that about the weather. It's not a terrible opener. Um, but it's really nice to get curious about the things that matter to people. So I suggest questions like, um, what's something you're working on that you're really excited about right now? Or, um, I mean, even the basics of, have you read a good book lately? Um, yeah. Can open up a conversation as long as you're in a place of curiosity because... Uh, if you're really looking for book recommendations and that person doesn't read books, um, then, you know, 
having the conversation about why or why not books are, are the most satisfying media would be an interesting conversation. But if they say, oh, I don't really read books, then you say, oh, never mind, then you've lost out. Mm. So, you know, that place of curiosity, openness, looking to discover things that you might share in common um, are great places to start. Um, but, but more than finding things in common, just looking to get really curious about who you're talking to is a great way to start a meaningful conversation. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. <laughs> my, I love that. My cat has decided to enter this conversation uh, right. <laughs> with, with playing with toys in the background. I hope uh, some of your listeners appreciate house pets. Yes. Yeah, well, uh, the working from home situation that we all find ourselves in now, of course, we um, are constantly surrounded by the things that we have at home, like pets and <laughs> small children. <laughs> great. Well, yeah, I love the... Um, those conversation starters and um but i hear you on on you know what do you do in that situation because i the you know if you read a good book lately and people say i don't read any books so you're kind of not sure where to go and i had one where we were doing a workshop actually on goal planning and i invited people i said okay so what what uh, goals do you have for this month um or for this year and and we'll start to map them out and go through the SMART goal and we'll really enhance them. And so we did all this workshop stuff, but one guy came and I said, okay, who's who's um, got some goals? And there was one person who was very quiet and was holding back, so I invited him to speak and said, you know, what, what goals do you have for this year? I don't have any goals. And I was kind of like, okay, where do I go with that? <laughs> It's interesting. So that's where that place of curiosity um, can really bring that out, can really bring that conversation out. So my first question that pops into my mind when I hear someone say something like, I don't do X, I don't have goals. Uh, my first question is often, why not? Um, but sometimes when you ask people why, they don't know. And um, so... I find that, and this is classic, many people know this, the invitation to tell you more is, is plenty. So simply saying, tell me more about that mm. is, is an excellent way to dig a little deeper yeah. without it being weird, right? Yeah. Um, throwing your judgment into that or being stunned or shocked can often mm. shift the conversation in a way that takes it out of that place of curiosity. So as long as you can maintain that place of curiosity, someone throws something at you like, oh, I, didn't, I don't have any goals. Tell me more about that. Hmm. Well, you might discover that they they have micro goals, but they don't like yeah. to label them that way, um, or they, you know, whatever it is. I don't I don't read books. Tell me more about that. Well, I used to read books, and then I got a smartphone. Well, now we have something we can talk about because yeah. both of us have probably changed our behaviors based on having smartphones. Hmm. That's right. Yeah. That's a, that. Tell me more is always a really powerful question, and I reminding myself that I need to use that more. Hmm. It's nice because here's the thing. A lot of times when we listen to people or ask them questions, we only listen to their answers long enough to formulate our own thoughts. Hmm. And it's a really huge gift that you can give to people to simply open the door for them to talk to you and to hear their point of view and to 
hear their answers fully before you start formulating what you need to say or do. So tell me more is a great way to then just turn the spotlight back to that other person um, and let them shine instead of trying to turn that spotlight back onto you. Um, I do a lot of uh, training in listening skills and communication skills. And uh, in fact, right now, <laughs> because of I don't know what politics have been like where you live, but the political situation in my country has been, um, oh, how, how would I, what would be a nice, it's been different. Um, people, <laughs> people, and also it's been the same as some other eras in history, but there's been some notable differences. I think it's been clear to me that um, a lot of the things that people focus on in work um, in their workplace communications around being great listeners, around communicating their ideas clearly, around patience, around trying to build off of each other's ideas. I feel like what I've witnessed is outside of the workplace, people are letting all of those things fly out mm. the window. And so um, because I am joy driven, and I think that that is the antithesis of joy, watching people become more deeply polarized um, watching their own, you know, my friends, my family members, their stress levels have been rising and rising and rising because of these types of dialogue that they're engaging in. I started thinking all of these things that I teach inside the workplace that have been helping people have better collaborative results probably have a home outside the workplace just as well. And so partly as a gift and mostly because it just makes me feel better about the world that I live in. Um, in January, I started offering a free, it's just a 90-minute workshop. It's a free workshop. In fact, I have one coming up in a couple of weeks, and I don't know how long these will be out there, and I don't know how long I'll do them for free. But for now, um, they're free, and it's called Reason in an Outraged World. And it's a few really simple skill set pieces that help people have meaningful conversations, particularly when you're in disagreement. And these are tools that I pulled from um, my workplace collaboration material. And I know that they work there. Um, and I guess the experiment piece is when the pressures of workplace decorum go out the window, can you still tap into your own resourcefulness and your own reason so that you can have more meaningful outcomes than deeper polarization, losing friends and family over things that are important to be sure? Um, but so is relationship and so is uh, the world that we live in. And ultimately, and I think I do take after my dad in this way, ultimately, we're all on this big blue ball together. So if we can't have these important conversations, particularly when we disagree, then I think we're in trouble. So if this is my small, please world, take it gift. Um, yeah. You know, also, of course, naturally, uh, uh, you know, continue hiring me for work, but please take the free stuff because yeah. um, that's what's needed most right now. Mm. Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, the, it's disturbing to see, and this is happening all around the world, I guess. I mean, it's happening here in some ways too, you know, quite regardless of whether, um, you know, you, you're more likely or you're more... Um, on the side of conservative politics or um, social politics, the the polarization and the 
I'm right, you're wrong mentality on both sides is really disturbing. And I mean, it leads to um, things things not really happening. I mean, the only way things happen in that sort of scenario is dictatorship. And you yeah. know, we probably all agree that we don't want to go there. The um, I remember um, I grew up in Australia and when I f- uh, finished university, I moved back. I was born in Germany. I moved back to Germany and spent uh, a while living there. So I remember at the time the Social Democrats were in government and the Christian Democrats or the Conservative Party were in opposition and, and something came up. I think they suggested something and the government at the time said, oh, that sounds like a good idea. We, we don't like this. We don't like this bit, but we'll tinker with that. And then they worked together and actually adopted and turned that into law. And I thought, well, that that's a really good model for a democracy, you know, these Gosh. people actually contributed to it, and rather than rather than the government saying, "Oh, we're, we're the ones that have to bring up the initiatives," and the opposition saying, "Oh, we're the opposition, so we're going to oppose everything you come up with, regardless of whether it agree, actually agrees with our principles or not." Um, so yeah, and I thought, Gosh. well, that's a nice model. I wish we could get back to that across the board. Yeah, that sounds incredible. Um, you know, I believe deeply that that is totally within the realm of reason to get back to. Um, and I, 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 you know, I've, I've always been a glass is, you know, could be full at any minute kind of person. So it doesn't matter if it's half full or half empty. There's always, we could, we could go refill it. I could drink the rest of it if I'm thirsty. There's so many options when it comes to a glass of water. I believe that it is absolutely within the realm of reason that our governments uh, worldwide will re-engage with reason at some point. And I, I, what I don't know, because I'm not, you know, I'm not a a political analyst and I'm not a, I I don't work for a think tank that focuses just on politics. I'm just a human being that's really um, struck by the power of great communication. I think that what it will take is is either really great communication, that's my vote, um, but also another possibility is people could just get really fatigued. Um, there's this thing that when it comes to motivation, uh, something that we teach at Art of Change is that people aren't just motivated towards things. People are also motivated away from things. Mm-hmm. So it's it's too simple to say, you know, people are motivated to get reward or people are motivated intrinsically by goals they set. There's you, You've got to have both. You've got to know what you're working towards and what you're working to get away from. And I think that it is totally possible that what will happen is people will simply get exhausted um, and they'll no longer be able to be driven by fear of other, fear of getting it wrong, fear of the world coming to an end, um, and instead we'll have to start thinking about, okay, what do we want? What future do we actually want to create together? Um, and I I believe that the skills to do that uh, will rely heavily on how we communicate with each other. So I hope that people will, um, whether it's through tools that I'm offering or any number of other possibilities out there, I hope that people will start to work on that. Hmm. Yes, I agree with you. and And you know, if you look at at it on an international level with 
uh, tensions between countries. That's I mean you bring in the complications of different languages there, but fundamentally the communication, better communication there must help um, build on the relationships. And I mean, you look at the pandemic, we're all in that together, regardless of which country we're in or which political or religious persuasion we have. So why don't we all work together and sort it out? Um, and there's so many other things, uh, you know, the, the environmental um, challenges that the planet has, that we're all in that together too. It can certainly feel overwhelming to think that we're all individually responsible for all the myriad problems that um, the world is currently facing. Um, but I guess for me, I just am strongly of this belief that if we can just work on the one thing, which is being able to communicate more effectively with each other, just not one thing, the other things will naturally sort them think Those other things will naturally sort themselves out because the people who need to talk to each other about those things will be able to. And the people who don't need to talk to each other about those things will be able to ask themselves, what is it that I'm trying to accomplish in this conversation? Why am I having this conversation? Um, I tell people, and I believe this strongly, if your objective is to have the other person say, oh, you're right, I'm wrong, <laughs> and that's the end of it, you may not need to have that conversation because what will happen the more you say, just say I'm right, just say I'm right, yeah, yeah. behaviors, uh, the less likely they are to do so. But if the reason that you're having that conversation is because you love and care about that person um, and you want to maintain that relationship, that's going to change what you talk about. If the reason that you're having a conversation with somebody is you need to um, meet a shared work objective and the deadline is tomorrow, that's going to change the way that you talk to each other. If <laughs> Can you hear the cat agree? contributing to this conversation? Was that agreement? Or... <laughs> yeah. I feel like she's my hype man. She's like, preach. Yeah. Um, but, but I, you know, I just, I think that in order to have meaningful conversations with people, you have to go deeper than the surface, the surface of the topic at hand. Now, I want to be clear. There are reasons why those topics matter deeply to people. And I would never discount that. There are reasons why we are having so much emotion come up around the topics of the day in, in every country, it seems. Um, but I would encourage listeners of this podcast as they go into the conversations with people they know, um, that they think about what is the actual objective? Why am I actually having this conversation? Um, I'm reminded of uh, when I was living in Texas. Um, I was coming out of the Kirby Lane Cafe, which is a great place to get pancakes. And this is, you know, years and years ago. I come out and there's two guys in front of a car, they're kind of walking around the car and they're, they look like they've been fighting with each other. And one guy goes, what are we fighting for? We could be eating pie. And, that, <laughs> and that is just always stuck with me. It's like, what is the larger objective here? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, unless you are the people who are making specific policy decisions, uh, unless you are responsible for something, uh, in an actual tangible way, um, then it may be worth setting aside the need to be right for a moment 
I would never suggest that you let go of the things you are passionate about. If you are feeling outraged about something that has happened, I would never say, don't feel that way. There are great reasons to be outraged. What I would say is table it long enough to understand why you're having this particular conversation with this particular person in this particular moment and evaluate if that's something that will be helpful or if it will be hurtful to your relationship. Because in most cases... If you're engaging with someone about a topic that you care deeply about, I recommend you go for the relationship first. Hmm. Yep, that's really powerful advice. Okay, now uh, one of the things that, you know, I've listed a whole lot of things you're involved in at the beginning of the conversation, and one of the things that you're very active in is acting and particularly improv and comedy improv. Uh, it's so, true. You'd yeah. never know it from the previous segment, but it's true. <laughs> well, I was I was going to connect the two and say what what are some of the or obviously you do that because it brings you joy, but are there lessons in comedy improv? It's a bit of a Dorothy Dix question, but uh, what are the lessons in in comedy improv that you take into your business and you take into this you know building conversations and having meaningful conversations? It's great. Um, well, so there's a lot. And this is that marriage that I talked about right at the beginning between the, my father's content and mm. my particular area of expertise. Um, so there are a couple of applications of improvisation that have been extremely helpful in um, bringing the, this impactful content that my father developed to new audiences. Um, because... As you may have noticed, the times, they are a-changing, and the old models don't really work the way they used to, um, but that doesn't mean that the content there isn't, uh, is incredibly helpful to people. It absolutely is. So improvisation, uh, maybe I'll back up for a moment and tell you what improvisation does in my book. So comedy improvisers on stage, um, for those who aren't familiar with the art form, they get up without a script without sometimes without costumes sometimes with um and they don't know what they're going to say and they don't have enough resources and they don't have enough information and they just walk out on stage and they're expected to create something together that the audience will enjoy Hmm. and there's no guarantee that the audience will enjoy it um thing about the art form is you can guarantee a terrible outcome by focusing on it, <laughs> but you, so you can create a show that people are going to remember for how terrible it is on purpose. That's a thing you could do. Um, but what improvisers do instead is they build these skills of instant collaboration, of getting on the same page really, really quickly and noticing everything around them. Um, so when an improviser walks on stage, they set aside whatever was going on in their head, whatever went on in their day so that they can get an open frame of mind in that moment for what is needed most. And it's all about paying attention to what is needed most. And so there are tools and there are training exercises that come directly from the world of improvisation that help with collaboration and listening and ideation. And so those things are wonderful to use directly with clients. But there's something else that's really great that improvisation does, which is help people be really present and really in the moment to see what is needed. We have this um, idea that 
Uh, we talk about offers and everything. The idea is that everything is an offer. So even the cat insisting on being part of this conversation is some kind of an offer. I'm not sure what it is yet because I'm yeah. paying attention to you more. Um, but the idea that everything could be an offer, meaning something that could be taken and used in another capacity, is really helpful for activating people's learning of new tools and skill sets. Um, so both in the direct application of like, here's a really cool game or experience that we might use to build some trust in the room. Um, you can also take these principles as someone who is teaching and teach a different tool um, using this idea that I'm going to watch for what the audience needs and I'm going to look for a way to make it sticky and I'm going to involve them because that's much more engaging. And so there's lots of ways that that shows up. Um, but ultimately... I think what's been wonderful about improvisation and uh, how much it seems to be taking the world by storm uh, lately is is the collaborative nature of it. So if what you want is to collaborate for a reason, um, so if you're trying to brainstorm with your team to get a result, then you want to pull on some of the wisdom from improv comedy and improv theater um, because we know how to do that. We know how to get outcomes. Uh, if what you want to do is get into a room to brainstorm and waste a whole bunch of time, you can do that as well, and that's more common than I wish it were. Um, <laughs> but that's not the result that you have to get. So, you know, I would suggest that if you're going to collaborate on something, it's great to know how to collaborate effectively, how to really get something out of that time spent. You shouldn't just collaborate for collaboration's sake. You should collaborate to get results. Mm, yeah outcome focused and with the improv it's it's entertaining the audience but obviously you know there's got to be it's got to come together as a joint effort and story yeah i mean it's really i gotta say there's so many great things that come out of working on the improv stage with people my husband is also an improviser and we play in these really nerdy shows together um like we're in a show called uss improvise the next generation the musical um, which if, you know, if you could imagine somebody uh, walking down the street, chewing gum, tapping themselves on the head, rubbing their belly in circles and topping on one foot as they go, that's what this show, for the person performing, that's what it is. Um, but for the audience, they get to see their beloved characters from Star Trek The Next Generation uh, create brand new stories that are also musicals right before their eyes, like a magic trick. And... You know, the ability to bring that kind of joy to the world is incredibly rewarding. And, you know, I'm a sucker for audience applause and adoration like the next person. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, these these skills that I've spent so many years working on have been wonderful to bring into businesses. I, I mean, absolutely wonderful. Um, and I think what happens when people who haven't experienced this particular type of activation in a, in a work setting, they hear that they hear nerdy improv stage improv comedy improv. And they think, Oh no, somebody's going to come into my business and they're going to try and make me be an actor on stage. But actually it's, I mean, that would be fun too for some people, but it's not that it's not that in the least. What it actually is, is, bringing these powerful collaboration experiences um the idea that you know you can you can listen selectively or you can listen openly you can be present and find out what's and discover together 
when you're ideating, or you can try and come with preconceived notions. You can have a pressure-free environment for a short amount of time and then use critical thinking skills to hone down to the best ideas, or you can put a lot of pressure on trying to get the best idea up front and discover that none of your ideas are the best. They're all mediocre because mm. there's too much pressure. So, you know, it's great to be a little bit silly sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And, and what, you know, you said something about... Um different ideas there and part of that is suspending judgment and I guess in improv what you certainly do is forget about judgment altogether right (laughs) yeah you get really comfortable with the idea of looking foolish or saying something foolish and in fact um you know one of the hats that I wear is uh I work with um on your feet and proposition for business and we do a lot of um of this type of work where we'll help people come up with ideas by having them first come up with the most foolish ideas. We try and list as many foolish ideas, things you would never do. Do those first. Um, Because it really rips the band-aid off of this idea could be terrible. Um, And inevitably what comes out of simply doing that, by the way, take and steal that idea. You don't need a facilitator to come in and say, let's just make a list of foolish ideas. You you can do that. Um, So you know, what happens is inevitably you get down to the 10th or 15th item on the list and you start seeing things pop up that you're like, well, actually, I mean, we could do that. Hmm. And then some of those foolish ideas, maybe you can't do the whole thing, but there's a kernel of something there, Hmm. um, which kind of like your example with the German government, they're like, well, I don't like this part, but this part is useful. That starts to show up, but it would never show up if you didn't allow those foolish ideas um, some carved out space and time to you know see the light of day Hmm. yep i love it so i could go on talking kind of improvisation and how that applies to business for ages and we've we've probably only covered a a small fraction of (laughs) what uh what you do but uh, i think just looking at the time it's time to move on to the buzz which is our innovation round designed to help our audience who are primarily innovators and leaders in their field with some tips from your experience. So I have five questions and hopefully you'll give us some really insightful answers and inspire the listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. (laughs) No pressure. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And if the cat wants to chime in, what's the cat's name again? (laughs) The cat's name is Bongo and we'll just see what she has to say. (laughs) Okay, if she wants to chime in, we're happy to take on any wisdom. So what's the number one thing you think anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I actually think it's the thing we were just talking about. I think it's mm. embrace foolish ideas. <laughs> I'm not saying implement them necessarily, but allow mm. space for foolish ideas to show up so that you can get past them. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And and if you think about it, I mean, if if you say, well, what's the stupidest thing you could do right now, or stupid idea, there's got to be a basis for whatever it is that you say, right? And and if you sort of dig down, where's that based from? That's got to be based on experience, values, beliefs, a whole lot of things. And, and some, so somewhere, as you said, there's a kernel of something somewhere there. Yeah, I think... Um Absolutely. You know, there's always this always pressure if you're innovating um, to think outside the box, so to speak. Um, But you could think outside the planet for two minutes and then bring it back down to Earth. And that's that making room for foolish ideas. 
Um, but I would also like to say that, you know, in terms of trying to innovate, sometimes, like I said, that, that the mountain to the peak of discovery, sometimes it's like a teeny tiny mountain. And, mm. you know, knowing when to go outside the planet and when to just go, you know, just a teeny tiny a little peak hill. of yeah. discovery. Yeah, I'm just going to innovate a tiny amount today. Mm. Um, you know, how do, how do I make this a little bit better? Um, would be another way to look at it. So it's holding those two things, and I do think that this is where training and improvisation really shows up. It's, it's, it's a lot of the rubbing the belly, patting the head, simultaneous opposite movements, those sort of quick firing, holding two truths in one place um, synapses. Yeah. So, yeah. Love it. All right, now what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Um, ask other people what their ideas are and then yeah. share our ideas. I think, I think using, a, there's an assumption that as an entrepreneur or as a consultant or solopreneur or coach that you must do everything yourself, mm. that you must innovate. Actually, I think this is true for everybody. I just decided <laughs> that people put pressure on themselves to come up with solutions on their own, to come up with the most brilliant idea, to come up with the best solution, the coolest product by themselves. But actually, it's when you smash ideas together that real innovation shows up. So I, I'm a huge fan of collaboration. Hmm. Which is the philosophy behind improv, right? It's... I know. Isn't that funny? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, it's all consistent. All right. Do you have a favorite resource you use most often? Favorite resource? Um Oh, I don't know. The the internet? I'm on the internet a lot. Mm. Um, the internet allows me to connect with all kinds of people uh, who I then collaborate with. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I think okay. it's quite amazing. You know, if I consider my podcast and I'm talking to someone on the other side of the world, on the other hemisphere, just like that, and whilst we had a dropout in the middle there that um, won't be on the recorded episode, um, it, it still enables us to have a conversation with people that we live in totally different geographical locations, yeah. and yet, yet we have this meaningful conversation. So perhaps another way to say that would be my ever-growing network of connections, because I... I, I utilize those questions. I'm constantly asking people for their thoughts, their reactions, um, getting together for virtual coffees to smash ideas together. I think, I think all that stuff is, is hugely helpful. Plus, they're going to point you towards other resources. They're going to say, oh, have you read mm. this book? Have you yeah. listened to this podcast? Yep, that's right. Yes. Okay, now um, the best way to keep a client on track um, are you referring to my corporate clients or are you talking about my coaching clients? Uh, well, let's go with your coaching clients. Let's go with coaching clients. Great. So uh, what I find with coaching clients is um, tactful interruption is incredibly vital and helpful. Um, it's important to know when to do that. Uh, but at some point as a coach, you've got to tactfully stop someone's train of thought so that you can reflect back what is happening. Hmm. 
so so active listening is really important there and then reflecting back here's what here's what i heard and is that is that where you're at right now is that what you're feeling or is yeah yeah or i mean a lot of the coaching that i do has a very systematic approach i usually try and apply some tool and have people walk away with something specific that they're going to put into action so um that tactile interruption is often about staying staying focused on the thing at hand so if we've taken the time to lay out like what will make this feel successful for you what do you need to walk out with at the end of this 90 minutes together then i want them to walk out with that thing and if i in the course of that conversation being present and everything being an offer notice that that doesn't seem to be the actual thing it's another opportunity for that tactile interruption and to say here's i want to check in with you because here's what you said you wanted to walk out with today but here's what I'm hearing and here's what I think you might need as a result of that. So, you know, let's check in about that. Um, but yeah, I think as a coach, you've got to be willing to make those tactful interruptions because you're opening the door for people to sort of let it all hang out and help mm. and have you help them sort through some things. Mm. Yeah, I love it. And so being really clear about the outcome, the desired outcome up front and then doing those tactful interruptions. Absolutely. You know, another way to do it just be to show up and listen really good and reflect back at will and, you know, have a kind of like open, flowy dialogue. And sometimes there's a lot of value in that as well. Um, but I do find that if you want people to walk away with results, they should be clear about what results they're hoping, hoping to walk mm-hmm. away with. Otherwise, they're not going, if the result is I'd like to have a flowy conversation, then yeah. That's a result. But if the result is something more tangible, then, then you should be able to help them with that. And if you can't, you should send them to somebody who can. Hmm. Great. Okay. And what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Be themselves. <laughs> there, you know, there's only one of you. Hmm. There's a lot of different people on this planet. and There's going to be some similarities. I'm often told I look like someone's cousin or sister, or aunt, Um, and the way that I differentiate myself from them is by being me, because I'm not them, (laughs) and I would suggest the same thing for everyone else. You know, you're going to do you the only way that you can do you. You're going to be you the most you you can be, so do that. Hmm. Yeah, my last guest was uh, Tim Tim Story, and he he quoted, and I don't know where this come from, but he, he said, you were born different. Don't die the same. <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> I love it. You know, I always, yeah. I always enjoyed. Um, I think John Lennon said, "There's no such thing as normal." Um, mm. The only, essentially, it was like I don't know the exact quote, but it was um, the only people are the something about being weird and being normal. I'm really doing a great job at this quote game, um, but <laughs> it's like the only. People who are, no- if you're normal, then you're weird because everybody's yeah. weird. It's sort of the takeaway. Okay, yeah. you know what? You guys look it up. Yeah. Put it in the comments. <laughs> you're exactly. going to email it to me. I'm actually going to look it up immediately following <laughs> this conversation. All right. Well, thanks so much, Aiden. This has been fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you and, and find out about the free offer that you mentioned earlier? So tell us a little bit more about that and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today. Wonderful. So if you 
so right now there are a couple of ways that you can work with me in particular. And, uh, but the first thing that I would love to suggest is that everyone listen to the changed podcast, um, which is the show that I host where I invite people to come explore the idea of what makes us, uh, feel change how we how do we process change and most importantly what is change it's a big word and we apply it to everything we change our socks we change our careers we change our lives so what does that mean and i explore that by inviting guests to come tell stories from fork in the road moments in their lives after which something changed for them and these stories are wonderful and the guests have been amazing i've got actors and authors and scientists and you name it. So listen to the Changed podcast. There will be something in there to help you uh, think about your own experiences in life, which is wonderful. Um, so that's thing one. Thing two is please take this free workshop. It's free. It costs you nothing but your time and effort. And the reward that you will get for that price is uh, absolutely worth it. And it's called Reason in an Outraged World. You can find links to register for that at uh, artofchange.com. You can also, uh, right now I'm offering a low-cost way to get 90 minutes of coaching on a really specific tactical issue where you're feeling stuck. Um, so, for example, having trouble deciding between which career pivot to make, uh, but you know what your options are, that's one. Um, there are three common areas where people get stuck. And one of those is around that sort of lost that love and feeling at work. The thrill is gone. You're just in a rut. And you may need um, just a couple of tactics to either re-engage with the work that you're doing, re-find your passion, your why for being there so that you can serve others in the work that you're doing, or it may be time to examine some other options. So that's one area. Another area people get stuck is by thinking that they are a failure. Um, but I would like to point out there's a huge difference between being a failure and actually uh, to actually being a failure and thinking that you're a failure. So we could, of course, look at things like that. And finally, people get stuck in the way they are communicating with people. So if you are finding that you are having trouble getting your ideas adopted at work, if you're having trouble getting your team to admire, respect, and follow um, your suggestions, if you are having trouble rising through the ranks, then that's a great time to reach out. So that's also at artofchange.com. And uh, that's the best way to find me. Great. Well, thanks for that. And we'll have links to that in the show notes and to the Change podcast um, so that people can click straight through. So do you have some parting advice for our listener today, Aiden? I think... Based on the conversation that we've had, Jürgen, uh, the things that I would love people to take away from this conversation are um, if you're going to collaborate, collaborate for a reason and then collaborate with the idea that the, that collaboration is worth having. Um, I'm a big fan of getting other people's ideas and input, and I would invite you to do the same. Uh, the other thing I would love for people to take away from this is if your fear is what's getting in the way of the success that you want, then it may be time to stop, regroup, take a look at your thoughts and patterns of behavior that are no longer serving you well. Notice what's getting in the way. Why are you afraid of getting the things that you want, of achieving the goals that you need to have? And finally, when in doubt, in a tough communication, um, go for relationship first. Build the trust 
and play the long game of changing minds and trying instead of trying to change minds in the short term and losing the relationship as a result. Mm. Yeah, I love that. If, if in doubt, go for the relationship first. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, finally, speaking of relationships, who else should I get on this podcast for a meaningful conversation and why? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, you know, the person that pops into my head immediately is Jeff Harry. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but he um, he's all about being, bringing play uh, to life for adults. Um, he's the play guy. He's got a bow tie made of Legos. He's amazing. <laughs> Sounds fun. <laughs> um, yeah he he will make he will make everyone's day better just for having talked to you. And uh, and he, yeah, he's a fabulous person. All right. Well, that's wonderful. We'll get an introduction to Jeff from you and reach out to him to schedule a time to have him on the show as well. Sounds good. Oh, there's one other person that uh, I'm going to have her on my show soon. Um, Luann, I'm blanking on her name. I'll make sure that you have her name. But she, um, she is one of the founders of CEO X and the, their mission as an organization is to get more female um, leadership into organizations. So she helps match businesses with female CEOs. Okay, well, that sounds a fascinating topic to explore as well. Love yes. it. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights today so generously with us on the Innova Buzz podcast, Aiden. I've really enjoyed this. There's been so many different topics that we've delved into and explored, but I think the core theme is around communication and just being better at communications and, and using meaningful conversations to build relationships. So all things that are dear to my heart as well, and I know are dear to your heart. So thanks for that conversation. I really appreciate it. And please do stay in touch. Thank you, Jurgen. This has been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that really special conversation on episode 400, that insightful and really informative conversation with Aidan and took something away from her episode. Aidan's mindset transformation of taking the focus off yourself and putting it on the service and value you provide your audience is inspiring. I love her metaphor of climbing the mountain peak too. I'm curious to know what you took away from Aidan's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Aidan Nepom. That is A-D-E-N-N-E-P-O-M. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Aidan Nepom. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Aidan, as well as links to the Art of Change website, to her Changed podcast, her social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. As I've said in past episodes, please do share this with two other people that it might help. There's so much value in this episode, and it would be a real gift you're giving to those people if you share it with them. Tag me in that share, and I will thank you with a special surprise. Aidan suggested that we have a conversation with Jeff Harry of Rediscover Your Play on a future Innova Buzz podcast episode. So Jeff, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the Innova Buzz podcast, courtesy of Aidan Nepom. 
Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast. We've got yet more fantastic guests lined up with the first of the next 100 episodes, where our guest is LinkedIn expert Lynn Eyre Johnston. And following that, we speak with Dr. Deborah Gilboa of Ask Dr. G. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.